so close to that for which we have longed, which for your case is the end of the semester. Yes, yes, one week of classes, and then exams, and then home. I know, I know, you're almost there. It's like mile 22 of the marathon. It's like, it's all guts from here on out. You can do it, you can do it. We'll have a loft next week, Sunday night, so plan on it, it'll be the last loft of 2012. So, I know, I know. So loft next week will be our last one of the year, so bring a friend. Come, we'll give hugs, we'll get you all ready for the week with some cookies and caffeine, and you'll be ready to go. Plan on that for next week. We have a full week of chapels ahead to finish off the year, and we encourage you on Wednesday, it's going to be in the Covenant Fine Arts Center, and we're going to be singing, not all of, but parts of, the Messiah. Yes, so get excited about that. Um, that'll be, where will that be on Wednesday? Very good. So bring your friends. We'll be sitting according to voice sections. And if you don't know what yours is, just choose one and sing along. There are so many people singing uh, the Messiah that you do not have to worry if you do not sing it well or correctly. Okay? It, this is very much the joyful noise version of the Messiah that will take place on Wednesday. So, so for all of you, you know who you are. This is your opportunity to shine. That will be on Wednesday. And then at this time, I'd like to invite Kyung and Tyler, two of our worship apprentices, to come up and talk about being worship apprentices. Kyung and Tyler, everybody. Hi, everybody. My name is Kyung. And I am Tyler Robert, and we are two of the six worship apprentices who serve in the chapel this year. And we just wanted to take a couple minutes uh, at the beginning of the service to let you know of an opportunity that's coming up um, to apply for next school year to be a worship apprentice. And I know that's really early to be thinking about it and you have so much on your plate right now, but just want to put that seed into your mind right now because a lot of you will be going away for interim and for spring semesters. So um, we want you to be thinking about that. If you're interested, uh, Kyung's going to let you know a little bit about what we do as worship apprentices and what that program looks like. So as worship apprentices, we work with Paul Ryan, um, and we plan worship, and we lead rehearsals with the band. We um, lead chapel and loft. And it's also a great opportunity, as we work with a lot of people, to develop leadership and also to be an influence to, be, uh, to others in a godly way. Um, it's also a great chance to, um, sorry, I just lost my words. Um, it's also a great chance to grow spiritually as we learn about what it is to worship God and also how to worship God. So if you are a person with any musical talent, with an interest in worship, or planning worship, or leading worship, you should consider applying to be a worship apprentice. Yeah, and just to jump off of that a little bit too, also if you love working in small teams, um, that's something that has blessed me richly this year, uh, working with our team of worship apprentices, and then also working within our, our bands as teams individually too. So if that's something that excites you, that interests you, that pumps you up, please consider it. Um, it's open to anyone to apply and don't count yourself out just because you don't think you'd be good at it because there's so many ways that you can serve in this program. So the applications will be due on February 20th, so it's coming up rather quickly. Just be thinking about that. If you are interested, applications can be found online. Just go to the Calvin website and type in worship apprentices in the search box. It'll come up. 
or there's some down by Paul Ryan's office in the Undercroft. And then if you have any other questions, you want some further information, feel free to talk to Paul, talk to any of us. We'd be happy to talk to you about it. Thanks. Thank you. They go by the nickname Wah, so that's something they didn't mention. And part of the worship performance training involves all the ways in which you can use Wah in words. It's wonderful, for example. Yes. It took you a minute. It took you a minute. Wonderful, wonderful. You get, okay. I didn't say they were good. All right. Um, we are going to take the offering for the? Yes, the Community Care Fund. You've been giving faithfully to this. There have been so many students who have been affected by your generosity, who have been able to get medical treatment, who have been able to go home during times of crisis, and it's because you are being generous. And so thank you for listening and obeying the prompting of the Spirit who tells you to put that extra dollar or five or whatever you've got in your pocket when you come to Loft because it's making a difference for the kingdom of God. And so let's take our offering at this time. Can you believe it? It's just great. Now, Mary doesn't have any idea what I'm going to do up here. I just told her I wanted to come up here right now. But I've been thinking a lot about being expectant, 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 expectations this time of year. And it's interesting in the Bible, they were, prior to Jesus' birth, there were a few people who were in the know. And there were lots of people who weren't in the know. Mary was in the know. Simeon was in the know. Uh, not about the specifics that Joseph knew, but uh, lots of people were in the know, and then there were a lot of people that weren't in the know. And it's an interesting position to be in. And uh, so I wanted to just get a sense before we pray. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have us. I'm gonna lead the prayers tonight. I want to get a sense of what people were looking forward to over the next few weeks. Things that they might know. John gave me a big hug over here. John, what are you looking forward to? What's expectant for you? Uh, just to not have to worry about anything over Christmas break and enjoy family time. Good. What about you? Going home. Going home. There's a, that's a theme. Paul, what are you expectant about? I am looking forward to lots of time with my kids. 
Very good. Okay, Mary, come up here. And Mary, I think you might be looking forward to something too, aren't you? Mary's getting married. (laughs) Great. All right. And Mary's getting married to Drew Cominga. Drew, come on up here. Not right now, I'm, but, you know, it, come on up. <laughs> come on up, Drew. We're just so glad you're here. This is great. Woo! Congrat- Congratulations. So this is such wonderful news, and it's really helped me to relate to Simeon, who must have just been bursting at the seams when he was promised that he got to see the Messiah before he would die. <laughs> It was so exciting. <laughs> and I knew that they were getting married, and I couldn't say anything <laughs> until they were ready. And they were ready. Uh, I got a text today from Mary saying, okay, we're ready. <laughs> and so I thought I would say something. But how many of you knew about this? Some of you did. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I call a Calvin College secret. <laughs> That's excellent. So uh, we're going to pray. We're going to pray for a host of things that we're expectant about and we're thankful for and things that we might be worried about and so on. But we rejoice in this season with the expectation of the coming of Christ. And we rejoice this month at your marriage. It's just so exciting and so wonderful. And I've gotten to be really good friends with Mary over the past year. In fact, we were just kind of noting that it's been about a year since we started becoming friends. And, and uh, she's become fast friends with me, with my whole family. And so I'm already very protective. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I, was, I had time to vet Drew and uh, interview him, and he's an excellent man and a wonderful person, and will and they're going to take really good care of each other. And so I'm blessed by the idea of your marriage. So it's just very exciting. So why not everybody who loves Mary and will love Drew? Why don't you come up and we're going to lay hands on them? See, look at all this. Everybody loves you, and I'm going to stand behind here. There we go. Don't step on the candles. Yep. Just, yeah, stay away from the fire. Okay. It's good. All right, everybody. um, I'm going to pray for Drew and Mary first, and then I'm going to go into a a litany here. And whenever I say at the end of a thing that we're praying for, come, Lord Jesus, fill our hearts, I want you to say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Okay, so let's practice one time. Come, Lord Jesus, fill our hearts. You are so good at that. Okay, let's pray. (laughs) Gracious and loving God, our hearts overflow with joy. They overflow with joy, with thanksgiving for your goodness and your care. Uh, We rejoice in the prospect of this union between Mary and Drew. We are so grateful for each of them. We're grateful for the ways that they have so... Uh, given so faithfully in their relationships to others and to us 
And we pray now as they give the whole of themselves to each other, and we anticipate the joyful union of these two servants. And so we give thanks, and we just rejoice, and we pray for all the good things that come with union and marriage. We pray that as they become one flesh, uh, that their marriage would honor you and give glory to you, and that their marriage would be a base camp, as their relationship already is, for serving others and caring for others well, that they would support one another, and that they would grow together in a spirit of love and grace. And so we pray for them, and we give thanks for them. And even in their relationship, we ask that, come, Lord Jesus, fill our hearts. And we turn our thoughts also to the needs on this campus, uh, the joys at nearing the end of a semester and the accomplishments and the anxiety that's inevitable as, as many students uh, try to pull together all that they have learned and know and demonstrated at the end of a term. And so we know there's anxiety and there's stress and there's weariness. And we know that your coming Christ's coming is evidence of God's attentiveness to all the things that matter to us. And we thank God for being attentive to all these details in our lives. But we yearn and we are expectant, even in the midst of these needs. And so we pray, come Lord Jesus, fill our hearts. Lord, we also know that we are in a hurting and broken world. Uh, the headlines, the news each day tell stories of war and injustice. The loss of life is immeasurable in places like Gaza and Syria and Afghanistan. And we know that this brokenness and this devastation is not your will. And we know that we await the coming of the Messiah and so we pray, Lord, into these situations, come, Lord Jesus, and fill our hearts. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Lord, we also pray for our leaders, leaders in this community, for student leaders uh, who have been serving faithfully and well in the residence halls and in worship here and in, in so many other wonderful places. And they are tired and they are stressed. We pray for our leaders in this campus community for faculty and for staff who lead. We pray for the leaders of the city and state and this nation, and we know that they are daunted by great challenges that, that can overwhelm them at times. And so into even these things, we pray, come Lord Jesus, fill our hearts. And so we lift all these things up to you, and we know that you are a God who cares so deeply for this broken and hurting world that you sent your only son, not in the form of a great warrior, but in the form of a precious baby, fragile and open to the world, able to be hurt by this world, but so that our God can communicate and convey that he understands the deepest of hurts. He knows all these things, and we are grateful. And so we pray, come, Lord Jesus, fill our hearts. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen.
Hear the word of the Lord, Luke 1, 5 through 23 and 57 through 80. When Herod was king over Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah. And his wife Elizabeth, who was also from the priestly order of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in the sight of the Lord. They were careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive. And they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple because it was his order's duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lots to go into the sanctuary and burn incense. While the incense was burning, the people stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing right in front of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice in his birth, for he will be seen as great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children. He will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. But how can I be sure that this will happen? I am an old man now, and my wife is also very long in her years. I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of the Lord. It was he who sent me to give you this good news, for my words will be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were outside waiting for Zechariah, wondering, what is taking so long? When he finally came out of the sanctuary, he couldn't speak. Then they realized through his silence and his gestures that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. When it came time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. And when her friends and neighbors heard what had happened and that the Lord had finally shown mercy on her, they rejoiced. And on the baby's eighth day, they gathered for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name the baby Zachariah after his father. No, his name is John. What? But there are no others in your family by that name. So they gestured to ask the father what he would like to name him. He motioned for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, John! Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and he began to worship God. Ah, filled the entire neighborhood, and news of what had happened went out over the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, What will become of this child? For the hand of the Lord is surely upon him in a special way. Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he began to prophesy. Praise the Lord the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. 
He has sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve our God without fear, in holiness and in righteousness for as long as we live. And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare a way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. John grew up and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. his whole life. You see, they had this plan in the distribution of who got to do what as a priest. And it was his turn. And this turn came up only once in a lifetime. Scholars believe that this happened twice a year. Your team came up, but there were about 8,000 people on his team. And they cast lots for who was going to get to offer the incense, who would actually get to go in the temple and offer incense. And so year after year, he'd be standing on tiptoe. Reuben? Oh. Asher? Oh. And then finally, finally, that day, Zechariah. <laughs> He'd been waiting for this his whole life. Ever since he was a little boy, his dad would bring him in and teach him what it meant to be a priest because priesthood was passed down from father to son and on down the line. And so ever since he was a little boy, he'd been watching the priests with the sacrifices, watching them in the temple and thinking, maybe someday that'll be my turn. Zachariah had been waiting. But of course, this wasn't the only area of his life in which he'd been waiting. Zachariah and Elizabeth together had been waiting. Early in their marriage, it was month to month to month to year to year to year. And of course, he was a member of the nation of Israel who had been waiting and waiting 
and waiting. It had been 400 years since a prophetic word had been spoken to the nation of Israel. 400 years. They'd come back from being in exile. They'd settled into the land. They'd built up the temple. They'd started all the practices. For 400 years, there'd been no prophet to say, hey, by the way, this is what God is up to. Hey, by the way, let's, let's work on this part of our lives. Let's get this a little bit better, and then the Messiah will come. For 400 years, nothing. Nothing. So Zechariah goes in on his day. He's been waiting a long time. He puts the incense on the altar, and the smoke would go up, and everyone outside would see it rise up, and they would know that, like their prayers, it was rising to God. And he finishes, and he thinks, oh, that's... That's well done. And suddenly there's an angel there who says, Gabriel, your prayer, Zechariah, your prayer's been answered. He was so excited. (laughs) Zechariah, your prayer's been answered. You're going to have a son. This is great. He's going to be a Nazarite. He's going to do really amazing things. It's going to be terrific. And Zechariah, who'd been waiting his whole life for this, says, thank you so much. I'm so excited. Just wait till I tell Elizabeth. No, that's not what happens. Zechariah, been waiting for this his whole life. The angel shows up in the temple and he says, "Um, is there like going to be another sign of something that's going to happen? And if you were a comedic director, you would have the angel Gabriel do something like this. (laughs) Angel! In the temple, right here. Look, it doesn't get more sign than this. The, the paraphrase is, Zachariah, are you kidding me? That's what Gabriel says. I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of the Lord. Are you getting this? He sent me to bring you a message. I'm just doing what God told me to do. Zechariah had been waiting and waiting and waiting, but he wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. And it's easy for us to pile on Zechariah. It's easy for us to go, oh, come on! You are a priest! You are righteous! Year after year after year, you're going to the temple, you're hearing the readings of the prophets, you're hearing about this, you're anticipating this, like, come on! Zechariah, angel in the temple, believe him! It's easy for us to pile on Zechariah and think, come on, how could he not get this? But there are also times in our lives when we are waiting, but we're not ready. It could be as simple as being the first in line, the light turns green, and you took that exact moment to just look at your phone. Not touch it, just look at it, just to see. Oh, and there's the horn. You were waiting, but you weren't ready. Last night I was at the swimming meet, go Knights, and someone from another team, let the record be shown, another team, they all get up on the blocks, He sits there, they say, take your mark, they do the thing, and he doesn't go. Everybody else goes. Seven other people, in the pool, dude on the blocks, like, what just happened? 
And having been a swimmer, high empathy. You're like, oh man, you've been training, you are ready. No, you're not. <laughs> he was waiting, but he wasn't ready. My friends have been teasing me a lot this fall. They do that normally, but around this fall in particular, because I will say things like, <gasps> in 26 days, I have to share my bathroom. <laughs> and they'll say, yeah, yes, you do. And I'll say, I'm a gluten-free, lactose-free, meat-free person, and right now in my refrigerator there is milk and bread and salami! Right now! And they'll say, yeah. Yeah, that is. And I have these moments of like, oh my word, oh my word, I'm getting married, oh my word, in 26 days! And my friends will say to me, Mayor, Mayor, big picture, you've been praying for this for a long time. <laughs> And now God is answering your prayer, angel in the temple, say thank you. <laughs> waiting, 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 gotta get ready. It's gotta get ready. You have to get ready. And that is God's beautiful mercy in sending John the Baptist to his people. Because if Zachariah a priest, sainted, called righteous. If Zechariah sees an angel in the temple and he likes, hey, I need a minute, imagine how the rest of the people are going to do. Not well. They are not going to get it. And so God says, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to send somebody to go ahead. I'm going to send a messenger because you all, you're going to need a little help getting ready for what's coming next. And I don't want you to miss it. It's God's beautiful mercy that sends John the Baptist to get his people ready. Because God doesn't want us to miss it when the glory of the Lord appears. And so John comes, and how does he get people ready? What is the big thing that John the Baptist says? What is he known for saying? Repent! Okay. We were thinking maybe like, you know, make a salad. You know, like clean your house. No, he's like, repent. That's how you get ready for the day of the Lord. You repent. You got to clean up your life. You got stuff going on. And the reason he wants us to repent, it's like that line, that beautiful line in the hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy. It says, though the eye made blind by sin, your glory may not see. Only you are holy. The eye made blind by sin. You see, that's what happens over time. Even though Zechariah was righteous in his obedience of the law, he, along with the people, had settled into the sin of complacency, the sin of not actually believing that God would do anything. And so John the Baptist has to come and say, Hey, y'all, you need to repent. You need to straighten up your lives. You got to get ready so that you can see the glory of the Lord when it shows up. It's like if I say to you right now, okay, I want you to notice all the purple in the room. All right, look around. Look at all the purple. People are wearing purple. We got purple up front. We got purple above. Notice all the purple. You see it now? 
And suddenly you're seeing purple where you didn't, you're like, Audrey, purple, purple shirt, right, going on over there, right? Suddenly you're seeing purple, and you're like, oh, I really hadn't noticed the purple. And that's what sin does. It gets clouded in the way, and John the Baptist comes, and he goes, look at the purple. I want you to know what purple's like. I want you to get this. I don't want you to miss the purple. This is a metaphor, you're understanding. It's not literal. (laughs) I want you to be pure because when the purest thing you've ever seen comes into view, I want you to be able to recognize it. I want you to know the glory of the Lord that comes into your life when you confess sin and you change your ways because then when the glory of the Lord is revealed in his son, you're going to get it. You're going to recognize it. You're going to know what it is. I want you to be ready, John the Baptist says, so clean up your life. And this fulfills what was said in the prophet Malachi chapter 3. He said, behold, I'm going to send a messenger, and suddenly he will appear in the temple. Hello, Zechariah. Suddenly he will appear in the temple. And those of you who love the covenant will love his presence, but who can stand when he appears? Who can endure the day of his coming? For he is like a refiner's fire. He's like fuller's soap. He will purify the silver and the gold and turn the hearts of people to the Lord their God. And that's what God wants, because he doesn't want his people to miss it. And it's the same thing with us. Zechariah and his people had been waiting thousands of years for the Messiah to come. It was very easy to settle into a sin of complacency, very easy to settle into like, we'll just live the life we're living, and, you know, God's going to do what God's going to do. Whenever he does it, we'll be fine. We've been waiting 2,000 years for Jesus to come back, and it's very easy for those of us who are righteous, who are priestly, to settle into a sin of complacency. It's it's the last week of, of school. I'm really, really busy. It doesn't really matter if I worship this week. It's so easy for us to wait and wait and wait and not be ready. And so our God comes to us in the season of Advent and he says, prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way of the Lord. And we prepare the way just as John prepared the way for our Jesus. We repent. We live in a culture that celebrates materialism and no more so than this week. What does it do to our eyes How does it blind our eyes if we're constantly looking at advertisements and catalogs that tell us we have to have more and we're incomplete if we don't have this and you got to get the perfect gift or this person isn't going to be fulfilled and they won't like you anymore and your life will fall into ruin? What is it like to live in that place? What does that do to blinding our eyes to the glory of God that can be revealed in living a very simple life in which you are generous to other people? What is it like to live in a culture in these next two weeks where it seems like grades matter above all and I have to finish well? And for some of you, that means actually starting some things you should have started maybe 12 weeks ago. Heads up for second semester. Yeah. (laughs) Judgment is coming and that right soon. 
And you have to think about, am I going to compromise my integrity this week? In order to get that paper done, am I going to use plagiarism? In order to complete this group project, are we going to look at last year's group project and steal what they did? How does living in the culture blind our eyes to the glory of God? Where are the impurities? Where is the laziness? Where is the active and willful disobedience? I know I should give, but I don't. I know I should have a sex life that is dedicated to the Lord, but I don't. I know I shouldn't cheat, but I do. Are you waiting and not getting ready? There's a verse in the New Testament that says it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It is the mercy of God that sent John the Baptist to say, you guys got to get ready because it's the mercy of God that says, I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to miss what it's like to live a life fully sold out to Jesus Christ. I don't want you to miss that. I don't want you to miss out on what it's like to anticipate the coming of the day of the Lord with excitement and zeal. I don't want you to miss that. I want you to be like a bride counting down the days to her wedding. I want you to be there. Can you do it? I want you to have that kind of anticipation for the coming of the day of the Lord where you are so ready, you are so ready, you are crossing down the days, you can't wait, and you're doing everything you can to clean up your life. You're doing everything you can to form more and more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. You're doing everything you can to be ready and not just be waiting. And so this week at Calvin, we're kicking off Confession Week. Those of you who were around last year, remember that we did this when we studied Psalm 51 together, a psalm of confession. We're doing it again. You got a card when you came in. On the back of that card lists where there are going to be people to hear your confession in every dorm. You don't have to be in that particular dorm. You can sign up in another dorm. You can go down to the prayer room. That's where the people will be to hear your confession. It won't be long, 10-minute slot. Sign up. What do you need to get off your chest? What patterns have you started this semester that you need to stop? What habits have you accumulated that you just need to break? Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks about the challenge and beauty it is to speak aloud your sin to someone else and to hear them speak back to you the words of forgiveness. That's what we want to do this week. And then also on campus in the lawn, you may have seen it already, there's a dumpster. And we encourage you to throw away the sin that so easily entangles. For some of you, maybe that means you've got illegal music or files on your computer and you need to delete them off. Maybe you need to go symbolically and put them on a thumb drive and throw the thumb drive away. Some of you have mementos from past relationships that didn't end well, but you can't get rid of the hoodie. 
You can't get rid of that little box of cards. You can't actually delete the text messages. And it's just keeping you in bad space every time you think about it. It's time to throw that stuff away. Maybe you just need to sit down and write a list of the things that you confess and crumple it up and walk it over to the dumpster and throw it away. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance because he wants us to have the best possible life, a life in which we flourish, a life in which we are set free, and it's confession that gets us there. Because when we confess, we are reminded of God's grace, grace unmeasured, vast and free. It's confession that reminds us of the blood of Jesus Christ that we shed to forgive all of our sins. It's confession that moves us to God. Tonight, we're going to ask you to write down something that you need to confess or an area in your life where you need to get ready. Maybe it means that even in this week of insanity, you go to chapel every day. Maybe it means that in these next few weeks of Advent, you set aside time every day for prayer, maybe with a friend, maybe you find an accountability butter, accountability buddy, <laughs> or butter. Could happen, I suppose. Where do you need to get ready? Where is the Holy Spirit inviting you tonight? To say, stop just waiting and start getting ready. So I'm going to pray, and then you're going to come up. You're going to take a little slip of paper like this. You're going to write on one side maybe an, an area where you need to confess, something that you just need to get off your chest. On the other side, maybe a promise of how you're going to get ready. And then you're going to take the lid off the ornament, conceivably. There we go. You're going to roll this up. You're going to put it in the ornament. You're going to put the lid back on the ornament. And then we're going to sing, and then we're going to file out to the Christmas tree and hang them there and have a time of prayer and caroling. And then we're going to come back here and celebrate with decorating Christmas cookies and hot chocolate and coffee and tea. Because when you move to confession, God invites you to feast afterwards. That's, that's biblical. So let me pray for us. And then when you're ready, there are stations back here with slips in the bulbs and back there and back there and there and there. All right. So let's pray to our God. God, in your mercy, you sent the angel Gabriel to answer the prayers of Zechariah and Elizabeth and generations of people who had gone before them. We thank you that you are a God who answers prayers. And because Jesus Christ came the first time, because of the prophecy of John the Baptist to repent, and people got ready and they changed their ways so that when the Son of God appeared, they were ready. Lord, we pray that you will do the same for us that we will be people who are not just waiting, but are people who are getting ready. So we pray, Holy Spirit, that tonight, if there is an area in our life, 
our life as individuals, our life as a dorm, as a community, as a college, where we need to confess then bring that to our minds. And if there is a way in which we need to get ready, then Lord, we pray that you bring that to our minds. So this season of Advent, of penitence, will be one of preparation marked by grace. We thank you for Jesus Christ, who forgives our sins and leads us into life. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.